97% of rapists will not spend a single day in jail. That is a real statistic. That is fucking abhorrent. So how do we fix that? How does society, how do we fix this? How do we stop this happening? It's all I've been thinking about for the past year, over and over and over again. How do you fix this? How do you stop this? How do you prevent this from happening? And I've got no answers, man. The only thing I can think of is it has to involve us. And by us, I mean men. Now, to the women in the room, I know you know this. None of this is new information to you. You've lived your life, you've got your experiences, and your voices are more important and necessary in this discussion than mine. That being said, I would still like to lend my voice to the discussion. And to the men in the room, I want to make something crystal clear. This isn't an attack. I'm not accusing you of anything, and more importantly, I'm not accusing your friends of anything. I'm just trying to tell you my experience, and this is my experience. I knew this man for eight years, and he fucking did it. There are monsters amongst us and they look like us. If you are sick of the narrative that is currently going on about men, feel free to change it, but you have to get involved. Don't make the same mistake I did for years, which was just sitting back and be like, well, I'm not part of the problem, therefore I must be part of the solution, because that's just not how this fucking shit works. I believe, and deep down I know that most men of good, of course we are, but when one in ten men are shit and the other nine do nothing, they might as well not fucking be there. Being good on the inside counts for absolutely fuck all. You have to actively be good and get involved. Instead of having this fucking hero complex of being like, I'm going to beat up a rapist, fucking prevent one, stop one, because I know it can be done because I know how I fucking failed at it. Because if I'm being 100% honest with myself, were there signs in my friend's behavior over the years towards women that I ignored? The answer is yes. And then he raped my friend, and that's on me until the day I die. Talk to your fucking boys. So I thought it'd be important to start with just kind of framing why we're having this conversation. Um, what were your guys' first responses when you saw initially this, like the story of Sarah going missing and stuff? There's a lot of, for me, a lot of social anxiety around, a lot of anxiety around social media. And when something raises its head as something that is gonna be passed around, I always have this moment of anxiety of, am I jumping on a bandwagon? Hmm. So when I first saw somebody that I vaguely know saying, please share, she's gone missing, I had this anxiety about, am I just going to look like a do-gooder who's trying to show that I care in this moment of social media like presence, of which I don't have much of a presence? Or do I actually have any valid like uh, do my actions actually have an impact so it wasn't until like and I the third share where I I still never shared it mm. but I had a sense of I think this is going to be I think we're going to know her name and I think yeah. this is going to be serious like as two days went by but weirdly selfishly having gone through a process of like how does this reflect on me what like before I'd even got to like how the way that we share news I don't know if that was I know that's nothing to do with her, no, but, that's, but I, that, I, that, that was my initial yeah. reaction. I think initially when I saw it as well, um, it's quite bad that I just thought, oh, like someone's gone missing. Mm, and that yeah. wasn't such a huge shock. The thing that was shocking to me was Clapham, because I thought, local. especially that area was pretty local, pretty safe to my understanding anyway. But um, until, yeah, like you said, it started to get a lot of traction online, then obviously hit BBC News, like, oh God, this is actually something really serious. Obviously meaning that all these disappearances and stuff that aren't reported, that are really struck me as well. It's just like, what is it that makes the grade? Like, what are the ones that hit the media? And like, for every one that does get talked about, there's a million more that don't. And so mm. again, that sort of plays into that anxiety of like, why is this one? And then I go down, they're like, is it because she's a posh white yeah. um, mm. English girl? It hundred percent is. And so I think that while we don't want to go down the message of being like, you know, like, well, yeah, intersectionality. And if it was, um, for example, like a black woman, like it wouldn't have got the same profile it did but that doesn't that still doesn't mean it's horrible and it's sad um but yeah i think i i think unfortunately we're all pretty numb to it and so yeah. i kind of until it was was it today or yesterday obviously they found her remains like i was just like oh like it's another missing person yeah that, that's kind of the same reaction i mean I, i've been off social media for a few days so i didn't actually see the initial reaction that it got and like the hashtags that started trending i didn't get to see that until a few days after i initially saw on bbc the article being like somebody's gone missing so i don't know it didn't 
at first it kind of felt like just another person that had gone or another woman that had gone missing um yeah and i think what you were saying was quite interesting earlier today which is that in hong kong you felt that some experiences you going out just were pretty safe like you didn't think that like obviously in london i think a lot of women will find it like especially at night at certain times you wouldn't go out on your own um but you said in hong kong it's sometimes different yeah i mean i've never felt um like at night i can walk around quite freely and i i mean obviously there's different parts of hong kong that are more safe than others um again like where my school was it was kind of like on the outskirts and where i lived was also quite on the outskirts but overall i hadn't grown up with this concept of like at night you have to be i mean you have to be careful but i wasn't necessarily scared which i mean is is also i mean is because hong kong is just a really safe place in general mm. so i didn't necessarily, i've never been or very very rarely been catcalled in hong kong because that just i mean i haven't experienced it personally as much as i have like fear of walking around in london or in different parts i mean outside of hong kong pretty yeah. much so <laughs> i think it might be a different of culture or i i don't really know what why that is but that's i think we've got a friend who grew up in japan and mm. actually um, in tokyo equally had that same feeling of like safety but i think when we yeah when we discussed it with her she was like yeah like because like it's it's that i've got that privilege of if i'm missing someone would i I'd, i'd be noticeably missed if that makes sense yeah um based on what you're saying about catcalling one of the questions i got in today was um what are your experiences of catcalling and what are the typical demographics of those that typically catcall i just can't get my my head around someone our age thinking it's a good idea unless they've been living under a rock building sites is the is yeah. the yeah. is the the classic but it like fulfills the majority of my experiences of, of it just a group of men yeah <laughs> outside mm. uh and going walking past cycling past like it's just cause for sort of lads mentality is was my has always been my experience of it i think everyone kind of also assumes like oh like there's like this one form of catcalling where it's in the middle of the daylight and it's so inappropriate and like blah 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 but actually like you can be catcalled when like you know a group of lads have got a bit drunk on a night out or on a stag do or that kind of thing like mm. just because you're in the context of having a laugh with your mates and actually you're having an alcohol and so you're not at work so it's fine that doesn't make the experience of it any less like mm. Uh, we were saying you were saying the other day about when we went out in yeah we went to the ivy um in the summer just for a bit of dinner and it was, it was summertime so it was pretty light outside but people were drinking obviously yeah but i mean as soon as we got out of the cab comments were just flying your way like from like a group of lads who are, and that was the first time like i obviously know friends who've been catcalled but to yeah it just felt really really it felt quite threatening almost even though it wasn't like a perceived that like threat of violence just the fact that someone felt it was okay to just like just lambast you with like inappropriate comments i was like that's really aggressive it was the tone that was i mean yeah aggressive. it wasn't necessarily what they were saying yeah i've seen plenty in arse crack you know from a, a, from young young gammons or old gammons <laughs> bending down and tying their shoelaces no no part of me has you know wanted to be like oh yeah you know <laughs> look, at, look at the crack on like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but I mean, now thinking back to actually like what you guys are both saying, um, what you're all saying, uh, I actually do realise that I have actually experienced catcalling in Hong Kong. It just hasn't been in the ways that I've actually thought of catcalling as being like a bunch of people on the side of the street. Like I've got so many experiences of being on the ferry on the way back home and having like guys like sit next to me when there's so many other seats and i had this one time this guy like reach out and like grabbed my necklace and so i was talking about um how i had really soft skin and i felt really awkward and like those are the kind of like small incidents that i kind of don't put in the category as like catcalling because i've just put mm. it as like mm. that was a bit of a weird guy but it has happened like three or four times which yeah. Three, four times too many. So yeah. I, I think like actually like the sad truth is, maybe someone screaming at me from the other side of the street, I'm less threatened by than someone like coming up to me and being quiet and like yeah. staring. Like those kind of things are way through. Someone shouting on the other side of the street, 
hopefully there's other people around. They're probably like, and so it's that thing of like, or you laugh it off, and like, not that we should have to, but yeah. like, I think catcalling can be in other forms and just that like typical, like you say, like the builder. Yeah, but I think also, because Ashley, you said that your experience of sort of witnessing it mm. immediately represented aggression. My experience, and uh, I have a, a decade or two of life <laughs> on, on all of you, my experience of it where we didn't take so much offense to it was that it was a skewed version mm -hmm. like an unpleasant it, it feels like it was years before we actually realized that it was aggressive yeah actually really? back in the day back in the day that makes me sound <laughs> like i'm 100 years old those early experiences of it when you know, you're in your late teens, early twenties, and it's a summer's day, and you've put a nice dress on. Weirdly, there was something about it, which is that you'd get heckled, but because it was always done in the vein of it's a joke or it's a compliment, then the sort of initial reaction didn't feel like one of aggression. It somehow managed to make you feel embarrassed, but simultaneously flattered yeah and because you were invari yeah. because invariably yeah. you're by yourself you've been singled out you don't like in the early days i don't think i recognized that as as aggressive as it was and mm. it wasn't until the conversations when it got really sort of pulled apart maybe 10 years ago in my experience where actually the the idea of like cheer up love or smile or those sorts of things were for me i remember when that got discussed you kind of go, oh, well, I don't think I would have a problem with someone saying smile or cheer up because that's somebody coming up with a, a jovial quip. And then actually when the conversation gets bigger and it's more about like, who is somebody stopping you in your tracks to judge you, what you're doing with your face, what you're doing yeah. with your body, like to comment yeah. on you. And then you go, oh yeah. And to be thankful for that. And to be, comment. and like, why am I, why, am, weirdly, how have I walked away feeling good about myself at the same time as feeling vulnerable? Mm. And so that feels like that's shifted now, more in line with what your experiences of seeing that happen to Lily, and that you, like, your immediate reaction is to be like, that's horrific, it's mm. aggressive, and it's really uncalled for, and it's sort of offensive. I don't know, I think it's definitely changed like my experience of it. I think I can definitely remember like when I first was going out at like 18 and like being like, yeah, like this was, this is complimentary. Like, because I, d I don't know, maybe like, yeah, like the boys, like the boys at school actually, I mean, maybe that was my, I don't know other people have experiences where boys at school do get cool, but I, I went to school and I was lucky that in that way, at least the boys weren't um, sexist. But yes, when I was 18, I remember being like, Oh, why haven't somebody's, I got that attention? Somebody's noticed yeah. me. Or Which is what? so gross now, I yeah. think about it. Of course it is. I mean, like, yeah. I remember being at school and I think I was in like year eight, so I must have been 12. And that's when the boys started saying like, oh, um, there's this new challenge we have to like put your elbows together. Oh yeah, uh, I remember yeah. that. What is that? I'm not going to do it, but like when you put your elbows together, we do <laughs> like that. So basically see. like, so they can see Shows your cleavage. cleavage. That's when I started being aware of like, you know, starting to be sexualized mm. at 12 years old by boys that are also 12 and so it was a bit weird in the sense that like i always i already felt uncomfortable by it and i already was telling the boys off about it but it was the fact that like at that age they were completely fine doing it and so i don't know i mean like unlike you the boys at my school were kind of you know i mean yeah at least when i in like that kind of yeah not like group. yeah in the, in the sort um, of sexualization way yeah What's your? I'm not. I'm not trying to lay all of no, all men on your shoulders, <laughs> but like, what's your experience of as you enter into a conversation like this? What? What's your experience? What was your reaction to hearing about um, Sarah Everard? Yeah. What um, was your What was your experience? Um, yeah, like I initially started, it was just kind of you know, God, another woman's gone missing, um, and. I think in terms of the, the reaction once the news became more serious and then there started to be discussions about we need to actually make sure women are safe in public spaces. I think as a man, I've been quite conditioned to be on the defensive because so there's this idea of like the good man standard, which is that, mm. you know, I'm a good person. I haven't done any of this. I haven't done like, you know, serious things to women. I never want to hurt a woman. But 
so much of what goes on in like conflicts is you have a perpetrator, a victim and a bystander. The perpetrator is going to do what they're going to do. They're obviously typically a bad or misguided person. The victim is often in a position where they're either physically vulnerable or in a state, for example, if they're intoxicated, which means they're vulnerable. And the only thing that actually stops that situation happening is a bystander. And I think looking back, especially like at uni, did I see things that probably like in a club or in a bar that were even maybe may not be like the serious things that I would have looked for, but examples of things that if they pursued on or were tolerable behaviors would have led to these in the long term. Yeah. And, the, and I think the worst thing actually is kind of further a couple of years ago when like Me Too started to become really big. I think, you know, stuff like boy, uh, uh, bros before hoes, mm -hmm. as like a saying, mm. obviously I think it's slightly meme now, but at the time it's the idea that like, there's a certain allegiance towards boys, which is not necessarily a bad thing in also in, in every circumstance. Like I think, and I remember when like certain um, bit high profile people start to have accusations levied against them. And I almost implicitly went, oh, like maybe that's not true though. I, it was really shocking because I was like, okay, so I'm not initially believing these women coming out, not because I don't believe the allegation, but I'm thinking, oh, well maybe like, I think it's this implicit siding with men that I've probably grown up with. Um, yeah, that, that probably... makes it, and it makes it harder for me to go. Okay, I need to take. I mean, the biggest problem with in terms of sexual assault and sexual harassment is that it's reporting. People don't feel comfortable taking it further. And no wonder if, like, if if I or other men are like, yeah, maybe that's like not entirely true. Then of course no one's going to come forward for anything, and then the cycle's going to continue. Yeah, but then also based on what you're saying about the bystander, it seems like there's a almost a, a more key element which is on a sort of profound level the, the foundations are just simply not set I know I know that's what you're saying but just on such a functional level we're just maybe not programmed to uh, support those ideas of somebody mm. kind of raising a problem and much more inclined to kind of go well your situation isn't as bad as like a really bad situation yeah. or that there is a sense of like pipe down or I don't know I'm not I'm not really articulating myself properly on this but but I feel like there's probably you're possibly in a tricky situation because on one hand we're all furious about the hashtag not all men mm. Which I mean, I'm I'm saying that without having even discussed no, it. Yeah. I'm curious yeah, about yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, curious yeah. about we'll, we'll not all men. We'll get into it a bit. I, it, it feels like it has to be acknowledged that there is there is a, a portion of of men who who genuinely do want to assert, like you were saying, assert their goodness and assert like to stand up and to not partake in the the sort of lad culture or those sorts of things. And I imagine that there is a pressure, there will be a pressure that men experience now because everything's being talked about more, only very recently, but people stuff is being talked about more. Does that feel make you feel like you're backed into a corner and you need to speak on behalf of men or does it more quietly make you go inward and think what's my behavior been or do I need to change my behavior like I don't know D does it make you feel like you shoulder a whole load of responsibility I think now no I think if you'd asked me that like when I was like 18 where like the, especially like the social pressures of like being in a group and certain levels of conformity yeah I mean it's better to be in than out that's the, that's the ultimate thing isn't it like Always. If, if you have the choice of being involved in something that it's not obviously entirely bad, but there are maybe small elements or facets you're like, I don't necessarily agree with that, like personally or, and I think other, it's, it's the it's the um, illusion of bravado, isn't it? Like, you know, in a given male group, you might have lots of people being like, oh, this is what we need to do to like, you know, be socially acceptable. All of which going, I don't personally agree with this, but that's the group dynamic, um, so that's yeah. how it goes. Um, I think now I'm, I think especially my relationship with my friends, like my male friends have ch has changed a lot. And I think we are, probably more friends on an individual personal basis than we were when we were younger. The defensiveness also comes from when we were talking about not all men. I think a lot of people also put forward like, oh, there are problems with men going on. And like, that's true, obviously, like there's male suicide, there's problems with male education, homelessness, what? but it is starting to sound like all lives matter, which is like, 
there is a time and place to frame a debate. And it's not off the back yeah. of a... Like, no one's asking you to compare, like, who has it worse. Like, this isn't a competition. Yeah. Like, you wouldn't... If, if I came up and said, oh, I've got stage four cancer, you wouldn't go, well, I've got laryngitis. Like, it, it, it's... it's, it's, it's <laughs> yeah, but yeah. the point is, like, if, if your first reaction is to bring a problem to a problem then you're actually not addressing what someone has to say especially their experiences if they're talking about it i think also if you're getting upset and offended by someone t you know t talking about their trauma or experience of being a woman maybe that's a point where you need to take a look at yourself like are you getting angry a little bit too easy like is that something are we you know proving our point that we are worried about the anger of men and also like how else can we talk about society when we're talking like we're talking about like you don't need to involve yourself and talk about one man like um in the same way as like we know for example like in the criminal justice system like like there was a huge problem like we were saying earlier with like rape cases and the fact that they shouldn't that they don't prosecute enough or they don't bring enough cases that doesn't mean each individual case we're going to be harsher on you that doesn't mean you're going to get like any other um uh worse treatment just because of like you know there's a point to prove it just means generally it's like it's it's a way of generalizing is saying you know um we have a problem with men and so if you're finding yourself like it, it's not it's not an indicator like for example races does that make sense mm. I think a, a good thing, I think, similar to discussions we've had about racism is that being called out, not necessarily called out, but being told as a subsection of the population, there is a problem going on with you lot. And it's not necessarily a moral attack. It's a, it's a systematic attack that's allowed yeah. to happen. It's not like saying you might know someone or you might have friends who have participated in this culture and that's wrong. It's this has been set way before you and you've grown up and been conditioned by it. But now it's your chance by being aware of it to try dismantle a bit of it if you can. Mm, yeah. Sure. Yeah. And also with the concept that got brought up of locker room mm. talk, that was a, I feel like that was a prime example where we could all comfortably go, that's a, offensive and it's not a reason and it's it, it's not valid. At the same time, as probably a lot of people going, I do know a lot of people that operate on the rules of locker room mm. chat where when you're with the you know that there's a code amongst your friends and that's not to justify it but it's, it's not to justify it i imagine that there's a lot of people that were waved banners at protests saying you know that's locker locker room chat's horrific at the same time many people having been privy to their own mm. versions of it which i guess donald trump knows and which is why yeah. he has so many followers and why so many people were able to to still support him because of course the boys will be boys entity it's really easy to challenge but it's also i imagine really easy for people to go very silent on because yeah. there's so many people have done yeah. exactly the same thing a criticism i got or from one of the questions was that it's alarming how on social media men aren't really reposting these um data infographics in the same rate and i think what are men not doing that they should be doing now i think I think on this topic of like reposting infographics and like being in the like being aware online I think that's a different separate issue because I think that if your way of being a part of this and actually being beneficial to the women in your lives and to women in general is to like not be performing all of these like all of this activism online and is to actually reflect on yourself and reflect on your friends I think that's more constructive and I think it starts with really calling out your friends and I think that's the most difficult thing because mm. actually like being able to tell somebody that you've got in your life can be quite difficult to just be like I don't think that's a correct or okay thing to say mm. and I think it really starts with that because awareness is like the number one step like I think at this point with the Me Too movement and with this new not all men but, but all women hashtag that has stemmed from the not all men hashtag, I think it's very clear to see that awareness is being spread and I think the number two thing to do is to actually manifest that into your life by calling out the people that you're closest to. I agree, it actually goes back to your bystander comment which I sort of actually isn't a stance that I've heard and sort of represents everything that I think. And that is, I don't necessarily in this moment need all men to turn to social media and say, as a man, we need, like, I don't, I don't yeah. need apologies and I don't need self-deprecation. I, I would love to 
to feel that there are conversations like this happening among men and that won't happen that won't manifest immediately but like i would love to think that this is actually something that taps into the social consciousness and that that sort of filters through in that way more than me reading someone go guys oh, i love women and, <laughs> uh, you know because i think do you think that that sometimes might come across as quite performative like it's not it's the easy way of feels doing like a something no, it's a no-win yeah. situation i think because yeah. i yeah. feel like i judge it <laughs> because well, it is performative yes. but so, i also feel like i need it and feel grateful for it mm. so for example i saw one of my friends post a photo about uh, like an infographic about black hair and how important it is to black culture and black history and I found it really interesting and actually really informative and so I reshared it and that took me about 30 seconds of my life to read it and to reshare it but I had quite a lot of my other black friends come up to me and say like thanks for sharing it and actually I like in the moment I didn't think anything of it but I reflected upon that and I was thinking well I shouldn't be thanked for sharing that first of all like I feel as though that's kind of a thing that similarly um, being a white person within the Black Lives Matter movement I think is to a certain extent quite similar to like being a man in this a discussion about women and well it's not a discussion solely about women but I mean, no. you get yeah, what I'm saying. Yeah. Mm. Um, is that actually for me to be involved does mean a lot to the people around me but also what's more important to them is not is not being like not sharing things but actually having a conversation about them and asking them how they're feeling about all of this and asking them having a platform to have a conversation i think that's but i don't know that's interesting because i did have quite a few people come up to me and say like thanks for resharing that it meant a lot because actually that's something that means a lot to me and yeah. having people see that i don't know i think also social media performative activism is a whole other yeah. discussion mm. that has like million layers that i don't even think you could start <laughs> yeah. getting into but you know got a question that got um sent in as well which was um i think relating to uh the issue of i mean obviously women being abducted and ultimately violence against women which is that i guess i was seeing these as random acts of violence that are being blamed on men rather than just standard horrible behavior are these instances isolated or are they systemic? Systemic. Yes, systemic also. Um... I, I feel like it's kind of ir irrelevant either way because they, because somebody abducting somebody isn't what everyone's go-to is, but we're so numb to it and we've got so many examples of it. It's the same with like shootings in America at schools. It's just like upsetting until the next one and it feels mm. like that's that's which obviously makes it systemic but obviously not everybody goes out and abducts somebody but the issue that's obviously arisen is actually what's going on to all of us who haven't fortunately been abducted is actually the bigger issue that seems to be speaking out massively is that we it seems all wander around presuming that at some point we need to protect ourselves from a possible inevitability that we will have something horrific happen to us would is that does that feel yeah yeah oh, 100%. yeah can i go for my facebook post yes. so what i was saying at the beginning of like the anxiety around posting something on social media feels like a a weird moment of am i trying to do I feel like I'm brazen enough to want to start a movement or I'm trying to am I trying to draw attention to myself? Do I want a conversation? Even when I post something, I can hear the reactions of many of my friends who will look at it and cringe and not want to partake and will sort of find it gross. And even despite all of that, do I still want to say something? Is it worth it? Do I have enough Facebook friends to make it even important enough to discuss so i did but with a heavy heart i posted something because i felt angry and compelled so i just posted today when i walk home after dark i always try and make a mental note of which houses have lights on so i'd know where to run to if i got attacked anyone else do anything similar and i didn't want maybe that was badly worded and i i'll stop trying to apologize but 
that is my daily experience. Mm. I don't walk through the streets every night scared, but fundamentally, that's how I've always lived my life. I recognize myself as a lone woman and after dark that I have to make a precautionary something. And I had loads of responses uh, and it varied from, I used to take pumps, I don't know what pumps are, in my handbag. Shoes, huh? Like pump shoes, shoes, like flat shoes. Ah, in my handbag for the end of the night when I was younger like so, so I could uh, walk home. Now I just, uh, don't drink so much and take the car so I don't have to deal with it. Uh, loads of people said, um, I always have keys poking out of a clenched fist when I walk home so that it's ready to like jab at somebody if they come near. Um, one person said, I look into car headlights. I think if I look weird, then maybe they would remember me if anything happened. Um, keys in hand, wow. always wear trainers, cross the road if I see someone or if I see a group of men approaching I would cross the road. Um, somebody said, for me it's the argument I constantly have with myself and then, and then deciding to walk down a dark road anyway and then cursing myself for doing it and being really scared. Um, I avoid going out after dark. If I am out by myself, I always remind myself that if something happens, I should shout fire because people are more likely to respond to me shouting fire than if I shouted help or rape. One woman just said, and she's a New Yorker, just said, I just walk with a lot of New York and New Jersey attitude. Equally, I always make sure to see who has their lights on. Keys sticking out their hand, always have trainers, don't take the midnight tube simply just don't go out people are scared of uh tubes one woman like like tra public transport after dark one woman said that she makes up fake arguments on the on her phone if she's a like in near a group of blokes she would make up a fake argument on her phone and like swear really aggressively so that it sort of emboldens her and makes her seem like out there and boisterous one very sweet man just apologised and said he hopes it gets better. People saying, 20 years ago, this really highlights their own experiences of walking through Clapham and Brixton. It freaked her out then. It still freaks her out now. It's just everyone has a version of it. And also, I, I sort of made light of it, but I also really remember as a kid being told, uh, never speak to strangers if somebody wants to show you puppies then don't go and like don't do that and if somebody offers you sweets and i remember that as a kid and i remember my dad always giving me this like talk to and kind of going like yes dad and finding mm. it really boring but it's literally what we've been brought up on is a diet of you're gonna be unsafe do everything to make sure that you are safe and also loads of people referenced uh, the idea of always phoning home or if you've been somewhere that you would message somebody when you've been back and then yeah. equally the response of if your friend doesn't message it's probably because they've forgotten but you can't help but feel anxious about the fact that they something bad could have happened I, I ha really quickly I have a question for you Ash not to single you out but most of my friends if not all of my friends that are women if they're going on a date with somebody for the first time they will always tell one other female yeah. friend oh yeah um and they will also like at this point i'm going to message you at this point i'm going to message you i'm going to be there should they share their location do you know in your male friends is that a thing like that that the guys that you're friends with they like share their locations or they like make sure to like call their friends up or like I, I, yeah i mean i can't speak on behalf of everyone in my group but i mean personally i in terms of having a date, I would have told someone maybe in passing, yeah, I'm going out with this person, like, we're going here for dinner. But in terms of the precautionary side of it, which is like, I'll be texting when I get home, you know, this is where we're going to be, like, if something goes wrong, I've never had to consider danger ever in that context. In terms of what Charlie was saying, does that resonate with both of you in terms of... Yeah, yeah I know this is really gross, but I remember, I think I've laughed about it with my friends, like, I, like, if I was, like, scared about walking on my own, like, I'd always make sure, like, I'd go with, like, either a full bowel or a full bladder because I always thought like if I got kidnapped like they might let go of me if I piss or shit myself 
Which actually, like, we laugh, but that's probably I've really heard degrading. That, like, making yourself grotesque yeah, is, like, yeah, one yeah. way to deter people. Yeah, because you're like, you know, I'm trying to think what else. Um, I'm really good at learning number plates, like, just very, very quickly, because I always think, like, I don't know, like, there, mm. there's a time I'm going to need to know this number plate. I'm, I'm not really sure now like how that's gonna help uh but you know what i mean like like think little things like that or i'm like oh like there's that there like that there like being super super observant and i'm not a very observant person but like in those scenarios it's suddenly like you get like spidey senses yeah. right absolutely i would never walk at night with two headphones yeah, no oh no i do but i never put music but yeah, on no i always turn them off i always have only one and turn the music off and especially if there's somebody behind me that is walking which i don't know actually if this would help me or not if i i feel like the presence of of a man behind me i tend to look like i need to like do something or i would like slow down so they can go in front of me um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I try to get them. Or, like, if I'm like, I have been one time, like, actually, a couple of times where I'm like, I feel like this guy's following me, you take like three lefts. Yeah, and if they follow the three lefts, then you have to, like, call the police. I know that yeah. on my phone, if I press a certain button five times, it immediately calls the police. Um, yeah. And yeah. I always remember that. So. I only learned that today. But there's the other side of it, which is ridiculous the sort of politeness. Yeah. Which <gasps> last year, yeah. during lockdown, I went for a walk because I was allowed, but I went late and, and day turned to night. And so that when I was walking back, it was dusk. And there was a man, we were the only two in the street and we were on the same side of the street and he was walking towards me. And I just thought like, it just makes sense to cross the road. That's what's gonna make me feel better, no drama. And then as I crossed the road, I had this feeling of, I hope he didn't think that I thought he was a sex pest hopefully he thought that because of covid that i was just keeping my distance and what this whole narrative whatever that yeah. i was i was even making it like i was feeling guilty for projecting onto him who was just a man walking down the same street as me mm. i didn't want to make him feel uncomfortable that his presence made me uncomfortable it's interesting to see that it's not necessarily like direct Co coercion or direct control it's kind of having to operate public spaces in fear yeah. which is the really th the, yes, the thing yes but that the next yeah. level like i i would be really sort of keen to defend that i i don't feel like i walk around with fear but i do feel like i walk around On with a pre-programmed sense of duty as to what my place is as a lone woman out at night what the standard practice is. I don't, I generally don't feel scared because I'm so used to behaving like that. Mm. I say 90%. I could get, I could I get scared really easy. If I hear footsteps behind me, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's very quickly goes to really that, like... quick. And I personally, coming back from like the very first thing we talked about, about me like growing up in Hong Kong, I, in, in London, but also in Europe in general, I generally do feel quite scared, even in the daytime. Um, like walking through parts that are like where there's nobody else there or like when it's more like certain parts I just feel quite scared especially at night and that's because I haven't had to deal with that growing up so it's gotten very new like the thing is that in Hong Kong there are like a few places that um, are very well known for kind of like middle-aged white men like shouting at footy that get really rowdy and drunk and inappropriate and like in those parts i feel very aware of my surroundings and i kind of get the whole you know like keys in my fist i'm heading to one place and heading there with conviction and like all of that energy um but i haven't had to deal with that from a day to day and so being in in europe and it's not just london like when I went to Italy or when I'm in like yeah, France yeah. Or, you know I I do I do feel quite scared a lot of the time um I think it's different to your experience because you're like used to London I think I mean I don't know but it's just used to being vulnerable yeah yeah is yeah I, I feel like I, I but also I feel like I'm used to the idea of having to walk with purpose and Christ if anybody knew me I have very little purpose <laughs> I mean really the the, the local shop is, is about as purposeful as it gets but the the very thought of if ever I see tourists and when I've been a tourist and I know that I could flounder and 
stand and look at a map or be in a foreign country where I don't understand the currency and will hold out my hands filled with money and mm. ask a stranger to like decipher my money from like it's really easy to like ease up on your sort of vulnerabilities but I feel so programmed to have to walk with purpose I always have this thing where and where I always hold my phone when it's my pocket mm. especially because my pockets are broken and don't close yeah. so I always hold my phone in case somebody steals it or if I have to call the police mm. yeah. I always um I always now when I have my bum bag I always put like the main part of it to the in my back um, under my coat so that if somebody's going to like rob me they're not going to like I don't know like somehow my money would be more protected like I don't know there's so many things that I've like started doing but what's weird is that women have this like unified code of all learning these things without having talked about it it. I was so unaware this was like a shared experience and that's the madness of it all and I think sorry I think actually when we see when I see like a video that like teaches these things like because there are every now and again they're like you know uh, if someone asks you are you staying here you say no I'm gonna stay somewhere else like I've seen like videos at the moment Basically, like it's like I think it's like Buzzfeed or one of those pay- people where it's like staying safe tips. Um, and I was so and like and you know like and so was loads of people in the comments being like, we shouldn't be making videos like this. Blah 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 blah. And but then our other part of me goes, well, at least if that saves a life, then like yeah, we should be like obviously we should be teaching men. That should be the first point. But As a- also, I don't even remember seeing videos. I just remember knowing that those were things I had to do. And so then also I remember being given a rape alarm when I was about 11 and I pulled the pin and it was such a horrific sound. I remember thinking like, I don't want that to be in my bag and then for that to accidentally fall out so Mm. I'd rather not carry it. And then also couldn't relate to does anybody know this sound enough to know that if I pull right. the pin on that, that somebody needs to react? Also, I was always told, like, don't say rap, shout, rape, shout, fire. fire. That's what what, that was saying. one of the things that Kitty said on, yeah. the, on, on the Facebook. Thing. Because people come more quickly. Yeah, like, that's like a, a genuine thing. Um, but then there are also the scenarios. For example, I did get assaulted on the London Underground. And at the point of being assaulted, it was a really packed tube. And... I knew I needed to shout to let everybody know so it wasn't just between me and this guy. I needed everybody to know so I had, like, bolstered by the majority. But I became insecure about, am I going to be loud enough? Is this the right time? Is this going to be embarrassing? So many insecurities. And then ultimately, when I did shout, everyone went silent on the tube. And then it wasn't until the guy fled a couple of stops later, that everyone turned to me and asked me what happened. And of course I then turned on them all and told them all to fuck off because they couldn't engage with like, mm. they made me feel like a crazy woman. There's no, despite all the potential sort of training that we're given, when that moment does happen, you somehow still internalize it as, am I gonna humiliate myself? Am I making a big deal of it? Is this person just a lonely weirdo who's like got some issue? Like so many things going on. And then also, even as we're talking, I, I, I now realize that I sometimes will dial 999 and have it ready so in my phone. So all I need to do is just ring it. And it, that's kind of ridiculous. I can't, but I also, I can't imagine life. life otherwise. It's not what I remember, of course, I'm only remembering it now. I don't get home and suddenly like pant and kind of go, phew, I got through that. I no, don't even it, remember but, but it. But it's like I... you said, it's not, it's not an active fear because for so long, it's just this is programmed. just the condition that you've been, you, yeah, it's like walking home. It's not walking home and being hyper aware. It's just walking home, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I think, I think maybe, I mean, I don't know how we're feeling everything, but you know, a sort of closing thing to think about would be like, what are some like general things that you know guys could do who you know don't count who, who you know like i think uh for want of a better word are allies um mm. i think the big and like but you know baby don't know these things or maybe like don't have like close relationships with women but like or do but not in the way that they could ask these questions 
um go and there's a, there's enough out there like listen to you know either things like this or like could they cross over the road would that be a really simple one could yeah. they cross yeah, so, over the road so this is some of the conversations i've been having the question which is that so there are i think again we've talked about social media and how maybe in terms of how effective it is it can be a bit difficult but ultimately there are some individuals who are like right yeah i can see that crossing the road could be a really easy and effective way of just minimizing the th- potential threat Absolutely. to someone but then there that some people have also been get, getting pushed back in that well actually that's that's the bare minimum you could do that's that's not feels like a really simple yeah. one so one of the questions i got was that these elements of um, various problems whether they go from the most serious being sexual assault and harassment to the more everyday behavior yeah these things form part of a culture i think a lot of the issue that men find it find difficult to understand is that similar to like the previous question which is are these isolated incidents or are these the result of a culture that's formed how do we move forward as part of men being the solution in order to by changing the culture of things so rather than telling men what they should do out of indignance really like i don't I feel like it's not my responsibility to tell men what they should do. I feel like they should work it out for themselves. So then I would say, as I'm walking down a dark street at night and I'm preoccupied with the idea of my own security, if a man is walking down the street, could he engage with the idea that a woman in the street is engaging with her own idea of security? What? How does that then alter his behavior like with that thought in mind rather than me telling you what to do what does that bring up in your own mind like what what how do you then respond to that what does that inspire in 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 somebody to avoid avoid that scenario Mm. and on another like sector of what they can do is also in conversations whether it be in academic conversations or political conversations or just you know talking to your female friends, I think giving them a space, being aware that men very easily are able to cut in or to have the louder voice or to be more heard just by the fact that they're men and being aware of that and even if you're not willing to admit it to yourself, which that is also, I I can see how that can be a really difficult thing to kind of get to grips at, like you do have more privilege in being heard because you're a man. I think what's important is to make sure that you're aware or like leave some space in the conversation for your female friends to have a say in this or maybe actually listen, like listen with intent to listen and not with, I think somebody said that earlier on. Yeah, no, that's it. Even if you don't agree, challenge yourself to question in this moment, if I'm being told that that's how women feel, what's but, my reaction in this not, in this moment yeah but not even if you're having a discussion on feminism or even if you're having a an opposing discussion even if you're literally like talking about what you went to get in the shop if one of your like female friends starts talking about you know they went to get chocolate and then you intervene and go actually you went to get you know those kind of really small details that make women feel like oh i'm actually not really being valued in this conversation especially and if you want to get more bit um more like intense especially if women open up about like we've all been doing on this podcast uh their experiences with sexual assaults sexual harassments and just listening is often better than trying to be then give them some kind of like oh i'm so sorry this happened to you or like which i can understand is like your go-to is like oh i'm so sorry i i I, i'm this shouldn't have happened to you and we know that i think when we're when we trust you enough to confide in you we just want you to listen and i don't want to speak on behalf of all women i'm speaking on behalf of myself but like just being there to listen the only reason why i would contest you on that is that i feel like there's a narrative which men often have which is like women do all the talking and men do all the listening and that that's how the social construct works so maybe it's but i think it's a different kind of listening i think one of the best pieces of advice i ever got was like you should you should listen to understand or listen to respond yeah like which is i think i've mm. definitely been guilty of that which is i think yeah probably you're right like i am quite talkative i'm quite opinionated so i think when i'm hearing even some things that are supposed to be experiential not just like opinions or points of debate 
I probably have a tendency to be like, oh, this is what I think. When actually in certain situations, it's not that it's not important what I think. It's just that in that moment, I have to listen. And it's important to listen. And I think if the shoe was on the other foot and I was talking about things that are quite personal to me, I unless I'm asking for someone's opinion directly, I wouldn't want to be lectured. I wouldn't want to be told, oh, this is what I think and have someone else's view imposed on me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, the only thing I would say, yeah, is what I've always found really bizarre um, that uh, a commentary that a lot of, like, guy friends that I've always, like, you know, when I've got emotional and, you know, or, like, when one of my other girlfriends have got emotional, like, that's been... Like the thing that they pick on or like i don't get why she's getting upset like why is she getting emotional like so like the fact that you're like taking the mic on like not understanding because i'm acting more human than you are like it's something i've really found like bizarre um and that's fine if you don't feel that but just like just like i don't know just like this like if they if someone can't help it if someone just because you don't think you made them feel that way doesn't um mean they don't feel it um, and, and equally that, you know, it's a feeling, not a fact, but still ref- respect that feeling, even if it's perhaps not the way you would react to a situation. What I was going to say is like, challenge yourself and the pe- I know we've said this, but challenge yourself and the people around you in the sense that like, realize when you make a joke, oh, I've had so many people make, so many men make like passing comments on something about how a woman's moody or how a woman's bossy or how a woman's looking in that outfit or like even if it's at a, it's if it's a joke towards if a man is making a joke towards a woman to her face and they're friends and they're really close friends like even in those situations like catch yourself being you know like sexist and catch your friends and call it call it out when you see it although i've been shamed to be the oldest grandma of the group this evening what i will recognize is that people of my generation 30s actually 40s um (laughs) my experience of men in the last 10 to 20 years has been much more vulnerable much more emotional much more equally spread in terms of crying talking engaging than my experience of being a teenager or in my 20s.